Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. First of all, let me say I'm so grateful, and I hope that you are too, that we belong to a church that says women have a place. In the beginning, Genesis says man and woman, male and female, were created in the image of God. And he gave us a command in the New Testament to go and make disciples. He did not say men, go make disciples. He did not say women, go make disciples. He did not say little children, go make disciples, or old ladies, go make disciples. He said everyone, go and make disciples and spread the truth of the gospel. So I'm so grateful for our pastor, and for the way that authentic operates in the biblical truth, because here's the, here's the reality. We are called to preach, and we are called to teach to one. Maybe it's your neighbor, to 10, maybe 1,000, maybe 10,000, and maybe you're only preaching to yourself. That's okay, I do it often. Preach to yourself, okay, but we must preach. That is our call, so I'm grateful for our church. And I'm honored to be with you today. We have been sitting in a series called For the One. For the One, Pastor Jeff talked about last week, who was the one that invited you to church? And have you thanked them? And we were able to write a message to someone who has impacted our lives and brought us to this place, to church. And today we're gonna continue that message, For the One, in a series called Lost and Found Today. Before we start, I want to pray for us, pray for myself, and we're going to step into what God has for us. Father God, we step into this place. You are the good Father, the good shepherd, and we pray that you would open our hearts, our ears, for the message that you have to share with us today. We thank you that you are good. Come and fill this place in the name of Jesus, amen. So has anybody ever been lost? When I was a really little girl, I was around eight years old, my family went to the Seattle Aquarium. And I loved the Seattle Aquarium. Maybe you guys have been there. Anybody Seattle Aquarium? Okay, come on. And so I was such a little, little tyke and eight years old, really tiny, and I had a little sister and I had a little brother, and we went to the Seattle Aquarium, and we're going from room to room, from exhibit to exhibit, and I'm just fascinated with all the sea creatures. When we finally get to the otters, they are my favorite. They're so playful. And so I came up to the exhibit, and I'm just looking, and it's so fun, and I carry on because my mom starts to move on to the next exhibit. So I go on to the next exhibit with my mother and my family, and I'm looking and exploring next exhibit, next exhibit, until all of a sudden <clears throat> I realize that my family is walking out of the aquarium. And I'm just walking along holding my mom's pants, kind of like, what are you doing? I look up when we're out of the aquarium, and that's not my mom at all. <laughs> I had attached myself to somebody else's pants, <laughs> that looked like my parents' pants. And that family didn't want another child, so they, they kept going. And the door shut, and I was outside of the aquarium with this big bridge in front of me, 
And I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. And so I sat down right on the bridge because what are you supposed to do when you're eight and you're lost? So I just sat there and I started to cry. Crazy, no one, no one bothered to ask me why this little girl was crying until finally my family came through the exit door. What seemed like days to me was probably 10 minutes. I'm like, oh gosh, you found me. Thank goodness I wasn't left on the outside of that building wondering if they were ever gonna find me. I'm sure that we can all relate to times in our life when we have been lost. Maybe you've been driving somewhere and you end up at a dead end road. This was way before the time of your phones telling you where to go, what to do, and to turn. Maybe you've been on a hike, you've gone somewhere, you've been lost. We can all relate to this idea of being lost. Well, Jesus has something very important to tell us about people who are lost. And so today, this is what we're going to be studying. We're going to be looking at, <coughs> excuse me, let me get some water here. Um, we're going to be looking at Luke 15. And so it's going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to read it for you from my word. Okay, follow along. Luke 15. We're going to read all 32 verses. There are three things that he's going to share with us, and then we're going to glean from this word. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, what man among you who has 100 sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. And when he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Or what woman who has lost 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her women friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is a joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens in that country who sent him to its fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the carob pods and the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and he went to his father. 
But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He is lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field and he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. Your brother is here, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he is back, safe and sound. Then he became angry, and he didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving away many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders yet here, and you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he told him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and now he is found. Three things this parable Jesus says. Three things are lost. We're going to go through them today, and I want you to pray. Where am I? Where am I in this parable? The first, sheep. Sheep can be foolish. They can be. The interesting thing about this part of the parable, the sheep, there's 99 sheep. This represents the body of Christ. There are 99 of them. They're gathered together. They're believing in their good shepherd. They're safe. They're, they're um, following what their shepherd tells them to do. And then there's the one. And that one sheep goes off. Decides, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I believe this shepherd. I don't know if I want to be a part of that community. I'm going to go ahead and go do my own thing. The interesting thing about this passage is Jesus chose sheep. He did not choose some other animal. Like, you're all lions. Go get them. <laughs> you know? He chose sheep. And he chose sheep for the 99 and the 1. All 100 are sheep. There's a few things that categorize sheep. Four things. The first one, sheep can be a little foolish. Sheep are known to get themselves into predicaments. Not just once, not twice, but like 10 times in the same day if they don't listen to the shepherd. And so that's an interesting thought. The second thing, sheep are defenseless. There's a big and puffy with four little sticks and not much coming out at the front, no, no fangs. They are defenseless. This means that they are prey. It means that something is coming to take them out. 
And so it's very important to understand, again, he didn't call them lions. He called them all sheep. The third thing, sheep can be dirty. They can be messy. You know, when they're out and about, things get caught in their wool. It starts to smell sometimes. If you've ever been around sheep or a shepherd, they don't smell good. Okay, that's because they're really messy. They're really dirty. They don't bathe. How would you bathe a sheep? If you put water on them or they're in a lake or in a, a, a river, they're going to drown. They're going to sink. So sheep don't bathe. They're a little dirty. The fourth thing, sheep need fences. If a sheep does not have a fence, it will wander. And so that's interesting because sheep are prone to go, huh, that grass over there, that grass looks greener. I like it over there. But little do they know there's a creek there where they could drown. There's wolves that live in that little green area. And the shepherd puts up a fence, a boundary line, and says, don't go beyond this. You're safe here. All sheep need safety, love of their shepherd, and they need to belong in a community. The second thing, coins. Coins can be misplaced. Coins represent the woman, basically in that day, it was like a crown, we'll call it, and hanging from the crown were 10 coins. And in this parable, one of the coins, which would have been hanging from her head, to represent that she was a bride, that she was chosen, that she was loved, one of those coins fell. In the Bible, silver represents truth. In Psalm 12, 6, it says, the word of God is like refined silver seven times over. Sometimes we hold on to a truth, maybe from our youth, maybe when we were childlike in our faith, and we had a belief, oh, I am loved. I am amazing. If you've ever met my 10-year-old daughter, I hope she stays exactly the way she is. Because you will say to my daughter, that picture is great. She's like, I know. <laughs> you look so beautiful. I know. I mean, I don't know. She is so confident. But it's that childlike faith. She believes everything we tell her. Sometimes along the way, that truth can fall. That I am loved coin falls. Our truth gets misplaced. The third thing, children can be rebellious. There are two sons. There are two paths represented in this one. One path rebellion. I don't want to do what my father tells me to do. I'm going to go and do it my way. This choice of the son to leave brought about a great amount of shame. His idea was the good life is not in my father's house, and I'm going to go find it. And the second son, he was the elder son, and he stayed in his father's house, and he did all the right things. But he was also showing us something in there. That son was lost because he had a judgmental heart towards his brother who repented and came home. So we're looking at the three things, the sheep, <coughs> the coin, and the sons, the children. And we're wondering, where do I fit in this? What about the people that I know? 
we're wondering, what does it mean if someone is lost? Well, I'm going to share three things with you today about here's some, it's not all, but it's a reflection of this might tell you I'm lost or they're lost. And again, we're looking and we're asking God to speak to us. The first thing, there is a stubborn heart. We see this with the sons and we see this with the sheep. I will do it my way. Sure, there's a shepherd and sure, there's a church, but I'm going to do what I want to do. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that don't hold any water. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus was not making a mistake when he called the story to sheep. He knows that we have all sinned. He knows that we all struggle. He knows that we're all going to have issues. And he knows at some point in our life, you're going to say, you know what? Bye. I'm going to go do it my way. And we are going to wander. So you're asking yourself, have I wandered from the people of God? Have I left church. I mean, here you are, so probably not talking to you, but maybe you know someone and they have a stubborn heart. They're really just not getting what they want. We all want what we want. We want to be loved. We want to be valued. We want to feel important. And if I don't get what I want, then it makes me angry and I'm going to go do what I want. So we're looking, do I have a stubborn heart? The second thing, when we have a stubborn heart, it leads to an unbelieving heart, a heart that says, I don't believe God is who he says he is, and I do not believe that he's going to do what he said he will do. My heart has now been hardened because of my stubbornness to do what I thought I would do, and now my life is coming from this place that it's not turning out the way I thought. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in your life and thought, this isn't what I thought it was going to be? I didn't think I would be here. A lost person says, I'm not going to believe God in the middle of this pain. I am not going to believe that God is good in the middle of my loss or in the middle of my struggle. And we attach ourselves to an unbelieving heart. Hebrews 3, <clears throat> verse 7 and 8. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. <clears throat> so we see that they were unable to enter into the rest because of their unbelief. Do you feel tired? worn out, burnt out. This is where we check our heart for unbelief. Have we let a lie sink in about God? That means that we're lost. When the woman lost her coin, she lost a belief. And that's what it's telling us today. Have, have you lost a belief? one that you used to hold on to, one that you believed,
But now that belief is lost because life has been really hard. What about people that you know? Have they even had the opportunity? Did they grow up in a Christian home? Or has truth not been spoken to them? So they don't even hold those coins in their hands, the truth of God. The third sign that we know someone is lost is because they have a sin-led heart. And this is a wake-up call to us as a body of Christ. If someone is stuck in sin and they don't know God, hello, that's obvious. You cannot obey a God you do not know. You cannot obey a God that you do not believe in, that you have not encountered, that you do not know personally. So if sin is leading a heart and someone is willingly choosing to disobey, like the son, he was in the church, he was in the father's house, but something came along his way, which was a belief. We want to go back to that for a minute. This unbelieving heart, your belief is always going to lead you to your behavior. So if there's anyone that is operating in sin, it's because they don't know what to believe in. Or they are believing a lie. We don't need to judge them for that. We need to love them. They don't understand that they have a good shepherd or they have a good father. And so we're looking at if someone is lost, guess what? They're probably going to have some bad behaviors in their life. It's not okay. We want to love them where they are at. We don't excuse sin. Romans 1.25 tells us they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served something created instead of the creator who is praised forever. If someone you know or yourself are stuck in a habitual sin and you feel so stuck, understand one thing. You've exchanged a truth for a lie and that is why you are where you are. We expect our idols, our broken cisterns, to satisfy us. They're not going to. The prodigal son had to leave his father's house. It's our job to examine, am I the elder brother in that story? Am I ready to judge someone? Or am I ready to say, oh my gosh, they're lost. They're lost and they need to be found. The beauty of these three parables is that Jesus shares that there are three things that are lost, but he says, guess what? I have an answer. I have an answer for those three things. The foolish sheep have a shepherd. Jesus is her shepherd. And he guides and takes care of the 99, but when one goes astray, he chases them down. He is running after every one of us that has ever struggled, that has ever gone astray, or for the one who has never stepped foot in a church, he said, you're still my sheep. You are my sheep, you 99. And wouldn't it be cool if there was 99 in here today? <laughs> I'm thinking there might. That was trigger for my, or a reminder to my husband, go count. No, <laughs> 99, come on. We are the 99, we're here, but there is the one. And just like that, Jesus has an answer. There's a shepherd 
don't worry, he's gonna go after the one. He's gonna chase you down every step of your journey. And by the way, you are not your own shepherd. You can't shepherd yourself. How many have tried? It's called self-talk. That doesn't work, okay? I am a counselor by trade. I don't teach them. Have good words over yourself. Well, I mean, that is positive, but you can't rescue yourself. You can't chase yourself down. I mean, where are you gonna go? I mean, you need somebody chasing you down, and it is the good shepherd. Misplaced coins have a process. A misplaced coin is a lost truth. It's something you no longer believe. It's something that somebody out there, they don't know. They don't know they're loved. They didn't have a father who loved them. They had hard things happen to them. Some of you sitting here, I know your stories. I know what you've been through. And it's been that journey of grabbing hold of that coin. And here's how Jesus explains that. We light the lamp. That's the word of God. If you want to be found, we got to go to the Word of God. You have to know what the Word of God says because you're not going to find yourself. The Word of God is a light to your path. It's going to light you up. So then you do the second part and you sweep the floor. What's the sweeping? Your mind. You sweep your mind. Sweep it. What's inside of my mind? What am I believing about God, about myself, about my circumstances? And I sweep my mind and I replace it with what I read with that lit up lamp, the Word of God. The third, I search the whole house. Searching the whole house is searching yourself. I search my heart, oh God, see if there's any way in me that does not align with you and make it clear. Search my heart. This isn't about anybody but me. Search my heart. So that misplaced coin, that silver coin, that truth, he gives us a process. He says, light the lamp, get out your word. He says, sweep your mind, renew your mind. And he says the third thing, search your heart. Search your heart. It's interesting, right? Because the two parables that go before it are all about a person, and this is about a coin. The coin represents something different. This is what you do. You search, you sweep. Yes, God comes after you, he rescues you, he comes for you. But there is a part that you play to partner with God. And the found person understands this. The found person understands I have to gauge this process every day. <laughs> Sometimes, hour by hour. Thank you, Lord. Rebellious children have a father. No matter your earthly story, no matter your earthly father, you have a heavenly father. And whether you've been the one that said, I don't want to be in your house anymore, I'm going to leave, he says, ah, you can go. But I'm never going to not be your father. I will always be your father. You will always be my daughter. You will always be my son. That identity is 
not up for debate. That identity is set. And he shows us this in this parable, that as the elder son, I love you, son, but your brother was lost and now he's home. Okay, there's something going on here, son. See, he doesn't tell him, you're such a mess up. What's wrong with you? He still says, you're my son. And when the wayward son is a long way off, he picks up his robe and he flips off his shoes and he goes running, which is unheard of in those days. Okay? So he is chasing us down. He's showing you, I am coming for you. You can never not be my child. You are my sheep. I get it. Trust me, I know. You could do the same thing over and over. I am still your father. So he's showing us both. And it's so beautiful. So here are three signs that you are found. That someone is found, whether it's you or the people you may know. The first sign that someone is found is that they have a repentant heart. You're not afraid to fail. Remember, sheep are sometimes foolish, jumping in holes, getting them out of the holes, then jumping back in the hole. Google it on YouTube. <laughs> These sheep, sheesh. But it's okay, because I know that I can repent, I can look at my own life, and I can say, God, you didn't call me to be perfect. You called to step into the gap where I have made a lot of mistakes. And you love me. And my identity is set. The coins are hanging from my head. I am loved and chosen and valued. And when I don't act like that, I turn and I repent. In 1 John 1, 8 through 9, it says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The beauty of a found person knows they're not perfect. If you meet an authentic Christian, they're going to share with you some messy stories. But they have learned to repent and say, it is not going to be what I want. I can trust my shepherd to lead me. I can take responsibility. And I can engage in a process to be who God has made me to be. The second thing, for someone who is found, they have a believing heart. They believe God is who he says he is, despite their circumstances or what they're walking through. Despite their feelings. How many of you know when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's going to feel hard. If you have been betrayed, it is going to feel hard. If you have been hurt or disappointed or let down, it's not going to feel good. But when you are found by God, he says, you can believe me I am going to walk with you as your good shepherd. I am going to father you like a good father. I'm going to tell you who you are. My words over you are going to be good and kind. 
And when you are found, you believe God. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of community because we all have very different stories. I know some of you who have been the elder brother or, you know, myself. Elder brother, I, I did everything right, okay? And then I have friends who have done everything opposite. My friend Fawn. <laughs> you know, and together we make up the body of Christ because I had a judgmental spirit and because she was so rescued, boy, this girl does not have a judgmental bone in her body. She is the prodigal son come home. Okay, so we have different stories, all of us. Allison, sitting in the front row, she was sharing a story with me earlier. They went to Las Vegas this weekend. How many of you are saying, yeah, Jesus, Las Vegas? <laughs> well, Allie went to Las Vegas years ago and years ago, and maybe that's what she was yelling. But this time, when Allie went to Las Vegas, she saw people. And she's walking down the strip, and she sees a homeless man, and she sees that he's lost. She sees this. She does not have a judgmental heart at all. Instead, she walks up to him and says, can I pray with you? She begins to pray for him. She gives him $20. Says, I don't know what you need, but Jesus loves you, and go get what you need. Because three, four years ago, two years ago, Allison believed in God. But she didn't really believe God. See that? That one little word, in, makes all the difference. There's many people outside of these walls that believe in God. They will tell you, oh, yeah, I believe in God. But to believe God means you see what he sees. You love like he loves. You give away things because that's the heart of God. You do not judge anybody on the corner of a street. Why? Because they're a sheep. They're lost. Or maybe not. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We have no room to judge anyone. And so when we have a believing heart, we believe God and we start to act like Jesus. We start to trust. And this leads us to the third sign of someone who is found. They have a surrendered heart. Have you ever really thought about Easter? what Jesus lived 33 years to do. 33 years he lived knowing, I am gonna die the worst death possible to man. How could he do this? How could he live with that? If I told you, this is the life you're gonna be living and it is going to be torturous and you're gonna die horrible death. Are you like, great, next 33 years are gonna be awesome. No, we would not do that, but we can because here's how Jesus was able to do that. He knew his father. He knew him. Personally, intimately, closely, he spent time with him. He stole away to be with him. And because he had known his father, his beliefs determined his behaviors. He believed God was good and a good father, so his behavior was, I can That's what we're called to do. 
to live the most selfless life, to die for everyone outside of these walls and in that may be lost. This is the call of God on our lives, to see the one, to understand that everybody is valuable. And if they are lost, we are the ones that God is going to use that they might be found. How many of you know that there's not a human on the planet today that is not suffering? Not a, not a family member in the world that has not seen loss. Heartache. If we ever wondered if there was such a time as this, this time is now. Because people are hurting and people are lost and they don't know where to go and they don't know what to believe. And here we are in church. The world needs found people. The world does not need confused people. There are a lot of them. And right now they're a little bit louder than the found people, to be honest. You turn on the news, you, you scroll through Instagram and reels and there's a lot of lost people and they're screaming really loud. But we are the found ones. And so God is calling us to step up and step out and see the one. It might be your neighbor. It might be your Trader Joe's checkout guy. It might be you. I was born and raised in a Christian home my whole life. Went to school, Christian school, K through 12, and every college I would go to was Christian. I was a good girl. My parents would get divorced at 16, and when they did, I learned things about my parents, particularly my father, that no 16-year-old girl really should be hearing from her mother. And it created in me a really bitter heart, a judgmental heart, and I put all that on my dad. I hated my dad. He was lost at that time. I didn't understand that. And so I put up walls, and I judged him, and I told him, you have no right to my life unless you get your act together. I said horrible things. I did horrible things. By the time I was 28, all I really wanted to do was be married and have a family. But this sin of a judgmental heart didn't lead me down a very good path. It would be when I was 35, I finally came to a place in my life where the Lord said, you're the lost one. You. It's not your dad. It's you. And so he began to strip away and show me the truth of how much I had judged my father and sinned against my father despite what he had done. And I remember the day I called him and said, can I come over? And of course, I'm sure he probably had a heart attack he's like, you want to come to my house? <laughs> that was not common. And I sat with my father and I said, I have judged you. I have sinned against you. And I was a Christian. But I was the one. I was lost. And in that moment, 
God did a work in me that shifted the whole course of my life. Because in the next five years, I would become a professional counselor. And how many of you know you cannot be judgmental <laughs> if you're going to be a counselor? <laughs> so God's like, let's just deal with this now so I can set you up for your destiny. And you can do what I've called you to do. And I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you. It's such a good thing to know that I can be lost and I can be found any part of this process, any part of this journey. There are days at my home where I'm telling you my family's going to be like, yeah, she was lost today. <laughs> Not quite the mom we know and believe in. <clears throat> and it's okay. Because I am the one that needs saving. And you are the one that needs saving. And there are so many people out there that need saving. And they need to be found. And so today, we're going to read one last passage. And I'm going to ask you to participate in what God has been stirring up in your heart about maybe I'm lost, maybe I know somebody who's lost, but God wants to do a great work in us. Go on to the next slide. And the next slide. Good. This is the Good Shepherd talking to us. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Let's make this really clear today. You only need to be listening to one voice to be found. So work that through in your life. Who is speaking over you? The doorkeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. God speaks to us. We are his sheep, and he shepherds us. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Every stuck place, every time you've jumped the fence and found yourself stuck in a hole, that shepherd comes after you. And he calls you my name and he says, come on out. And he's waiting to do it for all outside of this door, all outside of this church as well. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. You're not alone. He goes ahead of you. He goes ahead of me. He's before us, behind us. He's all around us. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. In today's day and age, the Holy Spirit is going to call us to do crazy things. He's going to say, go left. And you're like, but everybody's going right. And he's like, go left. We hear his voice. If we are found, we hear his voice. And they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. This is so important for us to understand. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. There is no other way. All who came before me, they're thieves and they're robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. If I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And they will come in and go out and find pasture. Do you know what this means? You will find rest. If I hadn't already done 
you know, 62 scriptures. I, I would have put a few more up there. But Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. He's going to lead me beside quiet waters. When I am shepherded by him, I lack no good thing. If you know it, believe it. And then go and tell somebody who doesn't. In front of, every, in front of each of you, there's a, a card. Because our encouragement for everyone is to understand that there is one or two or seven people that are lost in your sphere of influence. They do not know the Good Shepherd. They do not believe him. They are wayward. Their behaviors are not in line with being found. As the found daughters and sons of God, we carry peace and love and joy everywhere we go. It is the Spirit of God coming upon his sheep, renewing our minds, reminding us that we are loved. Do you know anyone who's lost? Write their names down. Commit to praying for them. Because why would you hold back this truth? I know what it's like to be lost. But I know what it's like to be found. And I want everyone to have that. So you're going to write down seven people. And two weeks from today, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday here in this house. And we'd love for you to invite the ones you're praying for. It's okay if it feels a little awkward. It's fine. All you need to do is say, do you have anywhere to go for Easter? We'd love for you to join us and celebrate Resurrection Sunday. What is God doing in you right now? Are you lost? Are you found? Do you need to engage in a process to remind yourselves what's true? Anybody on your heart that you know needs to know the truth, that they have a good shepherd and a good father. This is our opportunity to be his hands and his feet. As the worship team comes up, we are going to ask you to respond to God. This is not about a person up here talking. This is about the very presence of God saying, I see you and I love you and I want you to know that you can be found. If there's anything you need prayer for, anything you wanna work through, our prayer team is gonna be up here. We would love to pray with you. In the meantime, think about your seven. Write your seven people down because if they are lost, do you know where they're going? Why would we hide this? If we believe it, we must tell it. If they are lost, we must tell them you can be found. There is hope, and his name is Jesus. Come to Easter, and let's celebrate the good news that there is one who chases us down, 
rescues us no matter where we are. Yeah? Amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.